Welcome or welcome back to Pre-Arb Excellence, the Chicago Cubs podcast with an eye on the minor league pipeline. With COVID-19 knocking out most of minor league baseball this season, I've been kind of quiet. This is me trying to fight back. Feel free to contact me on Twitter, Tim815, on email, timhuwe at hotmail.com, or on Pre-Arb Excellence on my Facebook group. I love pertinent questions. Welcome to today's episode, Bad Backs and Hairline Fractures. I really appreciate you taking the time to listen. Our time is valuable and is spent where it is valued. Today, I'm going to talk about two different things. One of them is an article that I went with on Bleed Cubby Blue today about Anthony Rizzo's back and how it's legitimate to be concerned about Rizzo's bad back. I'm not worried about it for this year. I'm not worried about too much of anything for this year as far as baseball. It's uh, just shy of being a sham of a season. I hope the players do well, and I hope they stay healthy, and all that kind of stuff. And I hope that... um, the Rule 5 guy whose name is escaping me right now. I, I, I hope the players who are developing develop. I, uh, but one thing that I'd like to see the Cubs try to pot commit to is keeping an eye out for players who are available and easily obtained, whether they're bounced off a 60-man roster or whether they're put on waivers. Add talent this year. Add talent, add talent, add talent. They just recently... Brought in Jose Lobaton, something like that. I think that's how you pronounce it. He's a backup, backup catcher. And uh, the reason you want to have him around is because if Victor Caratini and Wilson Contreras stay healthy, they'll make most of the starts. I know that, you know that, we know that. We all hope that's the case. That said, if anything happens, it's nice to have someone who you could who you can plug in, like Lobaton or Josh Fegley, who's the other catcher in big league camp, because you'd rather use a major league type player instead of having to rush up Miguel Amaya, who has as many at-bats at the double-A AA and triple-A level as I do. It's not a wise idea to rush players up to a level that they're not ready for, and frankly, right now, Amaya's not ready for the major leagues, and that's fine. There's no worry about that. There's no problem with that. But back to Rizzo's back. As far as this year, he'll do what he'll do. He signed through 2021. And somewhere between 2021 and 2022, there's going to be really ugly... Um, labor dispute, whether the owners do something or the players do something, and then the other one does something, it's going to be a financial game of chicken. It's going to be really ugly. I'm not worried about 2020. If the Cubs do really well, hey, cool, great, awesome. If they do well in 2021, if they do well in 2022, cool, nice, well played. What I'm interested in is organizing for 2023. By 2023, everything should be argued out. The players who are young enough should probably have won the 
um, won the vote, for lack of a better term. So that, that there will probably be legitimate Major League Baseball by 2023 in one shape or fashion. Uh, I'm my, I'm going to hold out hope that the um, antitrust exemption gets killed, but it, we'll only see if that'll happen. But with Rizzo, he'll play with the Cubs through 2021. The question is, what is the appropriate response for how he should be treated beyond that? Now, I'd love him to get one of those. I'll use a, I'll throw a Bobby Bonilla out and say, I'd like, once his career's over, whether it's after his time with the Cubs or after his time with somebody else, bring him back, give him a 12-year contract and give him, I don't know, $500,000 a year to just do whatever the team wants and he wants and Maybe send him out scouting, send him to Mesa, send him to wherever. And if you ever get a situation where a manager gets fired and you need somebody to step in and be a manager for one or two days for a team that's going nowhere anyway, let Rizzo manage. I want Anthony Rizzo to manage one or two games for the same reason that a lot of people wanted to see Anthony Rizzo pitch. Because... If it gets to that point, it just doesn't matter. Let Anthony Rizzo go out there, wear the old 44, and take out the lineup card and go out and change pitchers once and do all the things a manager does and get his name and baseball reference in the manager's section because at some point, Anthony Rizzo is going to deserve at least one game as a manager at some point. If you give him a long-term service contract over 10 or 12 years, yeah, you'll probably have that one year where you stink bad enough so that you fire somebody and you're going to replace them with somebody and you need somebody to fill in and don't want to have the bench coach do it. Have, have Anthony Rizzo do it. So, yeah, I'm completely good with Rizzo. He's among my top, what, 5, 10 favorite Cubs of the past 30 years. I, there's not a whole lot more. Um, Rizzo and Bryant are 1A and 1B. Javier Baez is up there as well, though in a bit of a different fashion. Uh, toss in your Greg Maddox, your Ryan Sandberg. Your, there's just not a whole lot more. There's there, If you want to throw in Sammy Sosa, then you can. But there's really not a whole lot of guys that I appreciate, I respect. All that kind of stuff more than Anthony Anthony Rizzo. However, once a player starts to have back trouble, the back trouble can tend to be a thing. It can recur. It can happen more often as time goes on. And it's rather daft and counterproductive for a team to think that because Anthony Rizzo is a really good guy, and he gets it on the field and off the field. It's kind of daft to think that just because he's that, he won't have injury concerns. He will. Players get hurt. It happens. And he's already starting to have... I think he had two times where he had back trouble last year. I don't specifically remember one from 2018, but I think there was one there. 
And who knows? There might have been one in 2017 as well. But I, it, it just seems like the back concerns are getting more. And there's a lot of I, to do about how good of shape Rizzo was in. He lost, what, 20, 25 pounds? He came in and he's still having back trouble. Now, that's not to say that he's uh, a wasteoid of a baseball player. But when you're talking about a first baseman, you want to have somebody who can get on base and hit some homers most of the time. Uh, Rizzo has been very good at getting on, driving in, run, driving in runs, hitting homers. And at some point, one or the other will probably slow down at least a bit. And as whichever one it is starts to slow down a bit, he becomes less valuable. And no matter how much you liked Anthony Rizzo in 2015, 2016, 2017, if he ends up being a 230 hitter that hits 17 home runs and all he's able to do is play first base or designated hitter, that's really not going to help you a whole lot. Yeah, I get that. But, 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 but he's Anthony Rizzo. But yeah, but once a player isn't able to do what made him so good in the first place, you have to at least consider thinking about maybe at some point moving on. And keep an eye on this year, keep an eye on next year. I think you can probably extend him for two years with a third op vesting option, maybe. Maybe three with a fourth your vesting option but um any more than that it's it's a bit aggressive it's a bit aggressive thinking that it doesn't take that much in baseball now to have a contract that's going to disqualify certain players there are a number of players that the cubs may have wanted to have gotten in the last couple of seasons i'll say i'll throw bryce harper out there but there, and there are others, but um, players who it would have been really nice to have been able to afford this guy, but because the owners and the owners don't, because the owners don't want to go over some of these players that would have been really helpful weren't really options. They just weren't viable options because the cup the Cubs had spent too much on. Tyler Chatwood, Jason Hayward, Brandon Morrow, the list goes on. You know, it, it doesn't take that long before a team really can't afford to make the uh, Nick Castellanos investment. If the Cubs were not up against it financially, they could have brought back Nick Castellanos without any question. The reason they didn't bring back Nick Castellanos is not because... The Chicago Cubs don't have any money. It's because the Cubs didn't have much money up, much spare money up against the spending limit. You might not like that. You might love that, but that's basically what it is. Ownership has an amount that they will allow the executives to spend. And once the players like Chris Bryant, like Anthony Rizzo, like Javier Baez, are getting paid a reasonable amount like they ought to be getting paid. They're not bargains anymore. Teams win 
when they have bargains, bargain, um, bargain superstars, or at least bargains who are virtually superstars. And the Cubs just don't have that very much right now. Um, Rizzo, I think he'll probably be offered a reasonable extension, but he might want more than is being, I, I don't know, we'll have to see. But it, it boils to, they're not going to be able to exp extend all of Chris Bryant, Javier Baez, Wilson Contreras, Anthony Rizzo, Kyle Schwarber, and most of them are going to be coming due right at about the same time. So at some point, the Cubs are going to have to start to develop their own talent to replace the guys who are going to be leaving, and they've been horribly negligent at doing that recently. So at some point, Anthony Rizzo will have to be replaced. And it would be nice if, if Alfonso Rivas, who the Cubs acquired in an off-season trade, does a nice, nice enough job. He'll be a, at least a short-term stopgap option. It would be nice to have somebody who is absolutely crushing in, at, at, for, at any position, but plays a little bit of first base in Myrtle Beach, and then he goes up to Tennessee and he crushes there. Then he goes up to Iowa and he crushes there. Those are the guys you're looking for, the guys who crush at every level, like Bryant did, like um, Wilson Contreras didn't crush at every level, but he crushed at the, early, at the late levels. He did very well in Tennessee. He did very well in Iowa. So often the Cubs have been forced to, well, he's doing kind of well at this level. Let's bring him up because we need somebody at his spot. That generally doesn't work. It's a whole lot better if you can have somebody who's crushing at A ball. You bring him up to double A. He's crushing there. You bring him up to triple A. He's crushing there. And then you bring him up. That's how it works the best. We'll see if that happens. On my title, I said bad backs and hairline fractures. I was thinking about doing an article, uh, a blog. I was thinking about doing a podcast, not blog piece, a podcast on Rizzo alone. But because of the 60-man roster, there was something that happened today or yesterday, whichever. Uh, I think it happened yesterday. That is actually informative. And I like to educate my listeners, my readers on Twitter and wherever else. Um... Julio Rodriguez is an outfielder in the Seattle Mariners organization. He's not on the 40-man roster. I don't even know that he's played a, played a minor league game yet. Not, not sure. I, I read somewhere that he hasn't played a minor league game yet. That could be accurate. It might not be. But irrespective of whether he's actually played a game with a box score or not, he's a highly thought-of talent. He's an outfielder. And Seattle called him up to the 60-man roster. Presumably, you're somewhat familiar with the 60-man roster. It's basically the players who are fighting for a spot with the Major League team, plus some other guys. Some of them are replacements, kind of like the uh, Jose Lobaton and Josh Fegley, the backup catchers for the Cubs. You have them in... 
camp on the 60-man roster because you might need them. So you have some guys who, uh, I don't, you, you have guys who might play and then you have, uh, who are going to be on the big league club. Then you have guys like Ian Miller who, well, he might play. So let's put him on the 60-man roster because it would be nice to have someone like him around in case he's needed. However, one thing with the 60-man roster once a player is removed from the 60-man roster, with a couple of exceptions, including COVID-19 or a severe injury, if they are removed from the 60-man roster, they become available for any team in the league. So let's say Brennan Davis, who is on the Cubs 60-man roster. The Cubs, for whatever foolish reason, decide, well, we're not going to play him on the with the Major League Club this year. So we're going to remove him from the 60-man roster. What that means is any team in the league can claim him. I don't know how that works, but uh, whichever player gets removed from the 60-man roster just because he's being removed, um, that player is lost to the team if anyone else wants him. So if you're going... Uh, like a Daniel Descalso. If Daniel Descalso gets removed from the 60-man roster and someone else claims him, so be it. But um, as far as players that people are actually interested in, either short-term or long-term, you don't want to have too many prospects on your 60-man roster because if your 60-man roster is full and you decide you want to or have to add someone else to the 60-man roster somebody's got to go. So someone becomes made available. And last week, oh, blimey, who was it? Some, some Mets relief pitcher was on the 60-man roster. The Mets added a player. This Mets reliever was released, and I think the Angels signed him. Um, if you guys bug me about it, I'll look it up and figure it out. But some, the, the player was removed from the 60-man roster. Someone else claimed him. So because of that, they lost said player. Now, Julio Rodriguez was playing in a minor league game a couple days ago, diving for a fly ball, and he suffered a hairline fracture in his wrist. It sucks. It's his non it's it was his non-throwing wrist, so that's a good thing. Um he'll probably recover, though he's not gonna play any this year. So the question came up, can he be taken off the roster because he isn't going to be able to play? Well, yeah, you can take him off the roster, but if you take him off the roster, someone else can claim him. So I doubt since Julio Rodriguez is one of the top 20 prospects in all of baseball, I doubt he's going to be taken off the 60-man roster. What ends up happening is he remains on the 60-man roster, but he won't get to play anymore because he's injured. So he will not be removed, but now instead of having a 60-man roster, effectively they have a 59-man roster plus one guy who's injured and they're not going to remove. So if a player ends up getting injured and if the player gets injured and he's done for the year, that's a tough break. If he's on the 40-man roster, then you can put him on the uh, injured list. 45 man day of 45 
day injured list would equate to the 60-day DL in most years, and then you can get the 40-man roster spot back. But if it's a player who's not on the 40-man roster, and he does get injured, and he is done for the season, you can't remove, you can't put him on the injured list and get his spot back. I guess they could probably, if they wanted to, add him to the Major League 40-man roster and then put him on the 60-day DL. But then you're dealing with giving him a third of a season of Major League time, and I doubt that any front office would especially want to do that. So if a player is injured and they're not on the 40-man roster, you can't take them off the 60-man roster without losing them to another team if some other team wants him. So Julio Rodriguez with the hairline fracture of his wrist, it sucks. I hope he gets better soon. I hope he's ready for the spring. I hope he has a successful career. And don't act like the Mariners don't have talent coming because they do. Uh, you may have a differing opinion on dealing with Anthony Rizzo's injury than I do. And that's completely cool. I love questions on the contest line. Follow the link at the top of the link on... Uh, I th there's a link on the page where you log in to listen to my podcast, and you can ask a question there. But um, Rizzo, you don't have to dislike a player to want to consider the future after him. It's not a all-or-nothing situation. Rizzo's been fantastic. Hopefully he'll be fantastic for another three or four years. And hopefully a bunch of that time is with the Cubs. But if it turns out that he has, he has to end up going somewhere else, so be it. Good for him. May the Cubs have someone ready to replace him. And a good way to do that is through selecting the proper players in the draft or international section of uh, the acquisition phase of baseball. And another really good way to do that is to properly develop the talent that you have. The Cubs have lagged a bit on some of those spots. And it'd be nice to have a, another first baseman. Fortunately, Alfonso Rivas seems like he might be at least an adequate fill-in if it gets to that. So you have a great day. And ask me any questions if you have them. Because then I'll do more podcasts. And other than that, be safe and be nice to people.